Durant. Blows by Primo. Attack! We welcome you in to the Small Ball Podcast alongside the wise Trevor Mikulin, the incredible Christian Dennis. I'm Scott Ayers. Once again, we have our special, special guest. Trevor, what would be a word that you'd use to describe Kyle? Frank Kaminsky. The Frank Kaminsky. Have fun, guys. Kyle <laughs> um, If you listen to our, our son's podcast or watched on YouTube, big Suns fan Kyle is, not a big Frank Kaminsky fan, which earns him that title. And then, of course... Yeah. I could give another comparison. Yeah, give another. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Wow. You like that one? That's pretty good. We could probably continue on with the show. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, that's another okay. player he yeah. hates. <laughs> and, then we, and then, of course, our, our dear friend, our lovely friend, without a microphone, it's producer Andy. Producer Andy's waving to us. He just said hello. You just can't hear it because he doesn't have a microphone. And we are on our tour across the USA. We just finished a stop in Phoenix. We were in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, New Orleans. Um, and we're starting to really wrap up this series. But there was one place we wanted to go before we, we, we gotta. called it quits. We gotta. And if you've been following, you knew we had. We had to go here. Trevor, take it away. Where are we? Sacramento Kings! Let's go, baby. We are in Sacramento, the capital of California. City of trees. The farm to fork capital of the world. (laughs) And we are in Sacramento, a passionate fan base, two passionate podcasters and YouTubers here today. Trevor and Christian, diehard Sacramento Kings fans. I bleed purple. They bleed purple, they bleed pain, and that is all it's been for Kings fans for the past 15 or so years. But a promising future for the Kings. Briefly, we look at last season. They trade Tyrese Halliburton, um, which at the time really hurt, but it's created new waves. It's created new interest. We've got some new players on this team that, quite frankly, might make the Kings a little bit better than what they once were. Yeah, first off, I want to start by saying, Tyrese Halliburton, you're one of my favorite players in the league. And to see you go was the most painful thing I've experienced. I also touch on Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, please touch him. Uh, um, I'll touch on Tyrese Halliburton's yeah, leaving. Um, really bummed by that. I, you know, Monty McNair, we've had the conversation. He's going a direction that maybe I wouldn't choose. He's doing it well, though, um, just with the win now. I would have rather blown up and tanked. Um, and kept Halliburton, but Halliburton, we love you. Um, I like Sabonis too, though. Yeah, I love Sabonis. Sabonis is a great player that the Kings missed. Tyrese is obviously great, but we had another really good guard, and they were clashing. The backcourt was, there's a lot of, you know, they who deserves the ball, yada, yada, yada. Bringing in Sabonis, a player that's different, a player that helps in an area that we lacked, um, having a solid big guy who can get some boards from us and we can run an offense through. It was, I mean, looking at the trade, I see the vision. 
I see the purpose. And, you know, in the NBA, you have to give something up to get something. And that's what we, we got. We got a two-time NBA All-Star for the 12th pick of whatever draft he was in. And I, I think this will be a lot of this show, being able to hear that passion from Kings fans, having a better understanding of, of what this team means to you guys, um, while also kind of reeling it in and, and talking about what we expect from the Kings. Because having Sabonis and Fox work together, in, in my opinion, is a whole lot better than Fox and Halliburton working together. Two great point guards, but sometimes two ball-dominant guards in a backcourt, it just doesn't work. It didn't work in Sacramento. The trade needed to happen. And now they're, instead of thinking, oh, how long is this rebuild? It's, hey, let's go get some pieces in the offseason and let's see what we can do. And let's dive into that offseason because that's what the Kings did. They got some players um, to make things interesting for the Kings. I think you guys had probably one of the best off seasons that I can I can really think of right now. Obviously, there were a lot of big name trades, but just from a depth perspective, just from a you know we know that guy's good, but has he really you know shined? I think you guys are really building something. New coach, obviously, um, good draft pick. We'll see what it looks like for the Kings, but I I, I like I like the moves again. The depth. Um, is is definitely improved um you need a bench in this league and i think you guys really went out there and got some really solid guys and um i'm sure no one's as excited as you guys to see kind of what the kings do but i will say i am looking forward to to seeing it as well you know kyle i can't wait to go to a Suns game with you while we when they they play the kings because we've gone to many games together and it's been great and it's been terrible um you know, I've had I've had a lot of fun. When, <laughs> I think the I last, you're talking about. I think the last game I went to that was Suns versus Kings with you was like the game. Um, it was like opening night two years ago with Luke Walton's first time as a coach, and we ended up losing by thirty. And that was just the most miserable time. That off season was so hard too because it was after the thirty nine in forty three record that we had. And as Kings fans, we, you know, tried to, you know, Dave Yeager got fired after that season and then Vladi hired uh, Luke Walton. And without we tried, interviewing anyone Without else. interviewing anyone else. And we tried to, like, make it make sense because it didn't make sense. But we were like, Luke Walton, he's, he's fast-paced, comes from the Warriors system. We have Buddy Heald. This is going to be awesome. This makes so much sense. And, you know, it, the rest is history. It, it was awful. One of my favorite memories that me and my, my roommate, Wayne, who, who was at the game with us, still talk about to this day, was on the drive over yet <laughs> saying the same thing. Yeah, man, Luke Walton, like, it's going to work. Darren Fox is fast. We got Buddy Heald Shooter. Like, this is going to be a fun team. Obviously, what happened happened. You guys lost. And I remember Wayne and I were walking to the car a little bit, a couple paces ahead of you, and we just hear Trevor whisper in the back, I think it's time to blow it up, man. Like, <laughs> like, Game one of the season. Let's get away. My my roommate Wayne and I shout out Wayne. Um, anytime the Suns maybe lose a game or anything like that, we always go back. It's time to blow it up. Uh, hilarious that again we we, we still remember. It's so good. Yeah, dude. I I think that this off season, um, the Kings addressed a lot of needs um, that they needed position wise. And ability-wise, they got a lot of shooters this offseason. Uh, and that's, that is priority number one uh, for the Sacramento Kings team. If your two best players are going to be De'Aaron Fox, who doesn't shoot very well, and DeMontis Sabonis, who doesn't shoot very well, you need to surround those guys with shooters. And they did that. They got Malik Monk 
39% from deep. They drafted Keegan Murray, 40% from deep. They uh, traded for Kevin Herter, 39% from deep. And obviously, they still have Harrison Barnes, who's 39%. But you look at that, and it makes sense. It makes sense. The roster makes sense. They surrounded those guys with shooters. Obviously, like after preseason, there's a lot of hype around Keegan Murray. But how, do you guys still wish you guys got Jaden Ivey? I, the, the video, I uh-huh. believe, went viral. It um, did go viral, yeah. yeah. But, but I remember that there was a lot of a lot of a lot of pain with that, and Christian you know, jumped into the pool. He jumped cold. in the pool. He, he yeah. screamed an expletive. Um, what do you guys? Are you guys still on the man? Jaden Ivey would have been great. Are you guys now Keegan Murray fans? This is the beautiful thing about sports, man. This is the beautiful thing is as fans. You know, we think we know what we're talking about. We run a podcast. We know what we're talking about. I'd rather pick Jay Nivey, right? Oh, no. I, I didn't know about Keegan Murray, bro. Keegan Murray is the real deal. Summer League MVP. Hit a game winner. Just you, looked awesome. You have two Summer League MVPs on your team. We have two <laughs> Summer League MVPs. How are we going to be bad? Dude. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, that's a great thing about being fans. We can have our opinions. We can be passionate about it. And then two months later, be like the biggest fan of the guy we didn't want our team to pick. I didn't want Keegan Murray. Monty McNair, I like addressed him and was very stern with him about picking (laughs) picking Keegan Murray. I take it all back. Thank you for picking Keegan Murray. Yeah, I am so glad I'm not in that position. I love Keegan Murray now. He is Truly amazing. He fits exactly what the Kings need. It's a great player. Um, I think what Trevor and I um, during the draft got into was the the rumors of, you know, the Kings are going to be able to trade back and get Keegan Murray and Sadiq Bay. Yeah. 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 Just dumb rumors that were unrealistic. And so we were like, Frick, man, we have to draft Jaden Ivey. Like, we just have to. We can't let another guy, you know, pass. Like, you've seen it on Twitter probably of, like, the picture of all the good players. Steph Curry. Luca, Clay. Clay. The list goes on and on. And you could probably do that for, like, every team. Because most of those guys were drafted, like, post five. You know, it's it's nuts. Um, But... Dude, Keegan Murray's so good. I, I love watching him play. He's a very boring person, but he's a great basketball player. Hey, he is who he is. Like, and maybe that's not sexy, if you will, but he it is who oh, oh, he <laughs> it is. You know, my hey, also, this is we are we're talking like this guy just finished his first season in the NBA and averaged like 20 and 8. We haven't even seen him play a single NBA we, game. We do want to pump the brakes slightly, and I say that because yeah. Davion Mitchell, who Win summer league MVP, nicknamed Off Night. Um, it's it's a little different from. It is Keegan. it is a little bit different because we knew he wasn't going to be the starter. He was going to be a backup point guard. Um, but he didn't make the same impact I think we all wanted him to make in year one. Um, and Trevor, I see you bobbing your head back and forth and agree to disagree, which is totally fine. Um, but I think that's going to be a big thing in year two is Dave seeing a leap for Davion Mitchell who averaged about. 40% from the field and 30% from three. So that's going to be one of those pieces who super promising. We just need, need to see a little bit more from as well. I think he's kind of a tough player to grade if he had a good season or not. Obviously, you guys watch 
way more Kings basketball than I do. Um, but I feel like he's, you know, what is a good season for him? His role is to defend. His role is to be behind deer and Fox. So, you know, if, it, if it's not, it's not something that you can look at and he averaged, you know, 20, I don't think that's, oh, his, no, no, I don't no, think no. that's his, you know, job, but locking people down, um, you know, doing his role well, I think is, is what he's there for in a way. Yeah. Good points, Kyle. I, I think with Davion, he was the ninth pick in the draft. So it's very different. The expectation for him isn't to really do a ton. We don't expect him to start. We want him to come off the bench and play defense. That's really all we expected from it, him. It really felt like there was higher expectations. So after that draft, it was like, wow, we got an awesome potential in this point guard. Not from Kings fans. Am I? No. No, especially since we had Tyrese and, and that's true. Yeah. yeah, he'd so be a, a backup. We player. just wanted defense and maybe a, a guy that can change the culture. So with Davion, it wasn't like we're wanting anything uh, necessarily. Uh, uh, Keegan and him are very different situations. One's a fourth pick in the draft um, and is a position of desperate need. So I kind of wonder, as we're talking about this, I wonder if the Kings purposely drafted Davion Mitchell's with the thought of potentially trading Tyrese or De'Aaron later that season. Because since we traded Tyrese, having Davion Mitchell as that backup guard, it made the trade a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and as the season progressed, Davion got better and better. One game he had like 17 assists, um, which was just absolutely nuts. So he's he proved that he can be a good player, a good guard in the league. And now that he honed in on that backup role, he's just going to come in. He's going to lock up your 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 bench unit, and he's also going to be dishing dimes. And I, I honestly thoroughly enjoyed watching Davion Mitchell this year, and I think that he provides a really good, different perspective from any of the players we've drafted in the past. Yeah, and when I say leaps and bounds, I don't mean 20 points per game. I don't mean averaging 10 assists. I just he's a, he's a guy who's going into year two that you – want to see make improvements if you want this team to be a playoff team. He's one of those guys that he's he's the key one of the key guys coming off the bench. Maybe the sixth man coming off the bench. Yep. Team's right? best defender too. Team's best defender. Let's see him improve. I agree. So that that's kind of where that statement comes from. I don't expect him to be a, a big score. Couple other big signing well couple other signings they got Matthew Delvadova who you guys love they got Kent Bazemore who you guys love but Trevor I want to ping you on this because we talked about this kind of during the last season when they acquired Dante DiVincenzo you guys were really high on DiVincenzo he's gone he's in Golden State thoughts on that uh I think DiVincenzo I, I don't know the the details on all the stuff that went down but even like it's Dante DiVincenzo let's keep that in mind a role player yeah, right began to his agent began making a ruckus because he wasn't starting by the end of the season. It's like guys come to Sacramento and just think this is where I'm going to earn the bag and then go play somewhere else. He came in with that attitude. I, I couldn't have foreseen that. I was really excited for Dante because I like his play style and a slasher athletic defender can stretch a three and D guy. Um, what I think we did was by letting him walk and it opened up a, a spot that another ginger in the NBA came yep. in and filled. And it, uh, we got Kevin Herter, 39% three-point shooter, 6'7", athletic. Um, and us, you know, what, from what we've seen, a capable defender. And, you know, with Dante DiVincenzo coming in, I, you could 
you could tell he kind of just didn't want to be here from the get-go. And so with that mindset, it just was never going to work out. And honestly, I would much rather have Kevin Herter. And I think most fans would say that. I would as too. Well. As, yeah. as someone who was completely no bias, I would much rather have Kevin Herter. Yeah, so it, it kind of works out. And you can't have two redheads on the team. So I think no. that's like why no. it was strategically that move. <laughs> it's never worked. Turns into never. soulless basketball. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. But yeah, no, I'm so excited that, you know, we're in a position that we're in now. Because like if we're looking at last season, we were talking about how Tristan Thompson's going to lead this locker room. <laughs> Buddy Heald is going to turn it around. And, like, the position we're in now is just night and day different. I think you guys did a lot of really good moves from a leadership standpoint as well. Obviously, Kent Bazemore has been in the league for a while. Quinn Cook, uh, NBA champion, Della Vadova. Like, those are some really good locker room guys to lead a younger, I guess, core unit. De'Aaron Fox. Um you know, Keegan Murray, all those guys. But with all the moves, I feel like there's a lot of question marks about like depth, who plays more, who does that. So what do you guys think, I guess, the starting five will look like? Will Malik Monk come off the bench? Is Herter going to be a a key player? Um, I feel like a lot of these are, um, again, question marks at the position. Who's going to come off the bench? Who's what? So what do you guys think the starting five will be? Well, you have to start with De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. And around them, I've mentioned the guys that have like th- above 38, 39% three-point percentage. And you want to surround those guys with shooters. So when Fox and DeMontis are doing pick and roll, there's shooters all around them. So you can put Kevin Herter or Malik Monk at the two alongside De'Aaron Fox. Um, and then at the three, you have Harrison Barnes. And at the four, you have Keegan Murray. And at the five, you have Sabonis. Yeah, I, I think Kevin Herter starts. Um, I don't I don't think Malik Monk starts. And I, I kind of like that, too, because, you know, our lineup is fairly big now. You know, De'Aaron Fox is uh, like 6'2". You know, not, he's a point guard. But then your shooting guard six 6'7". And then Harrison Barnes is 6'8". Keegan Murray is like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, and then... DeMontis Sabonis is like 6'10". So it's like a fairly big team, which is like nice. We've, we've never really had a team like that. We still don't really have that good depth in the small forward position that I would like. But, I mean, it's, it's at least a step in the right direction. A huge piece of this offseason, too, with adding all those players was firing Alvin Gentry and moving towards Mike Brown, Brown, um, a defensive-minded head coach that, you know, we're hoping can change the defensive culture here in Sacramento. It's been atrocious. Well, bringing in Mike Brown, too, he has the sort of stability that Fox was craving, and then also he has a personal relationship with Fox. So to know a player like that, to have that personal relationship is going to go a long way with the player coach dynamics. And then on top of it, you're, you're bringing in his staff um, that is full of awesome guys. Jordy Fernandez, who's from Denver. Um, you have guys like Luke Locks, who's actually from the Suns. You know, you have like, Shout out. You, you just have like really solid guys who are coming from winning organizations to help build this culture that is desperate to bring back winning basketball. And, and I really like the hiring of Mike Brown. Been to a NBA Finals um, as I had coached with the Cavs. That was in 06-07, but he had a lot of success in Cleveland. Granted, he did have LeBron, but 
still, you have to be, yeah, you have to know what you're doing when you're coaching a, a young LeBron James. Um, and that was a roster. If you look at today, you're like, oh my gosh, that roster made it to an NBA Finals. That that roster won 66 games one year. Um, so Mike Mike Brown is, I think, a really really smart hire for the Sacramento Kings, and it kind of leads us into this part of the show. What do we expect Sacramento to do? here this upcoming season. It's been 16 seasons since the Kings made it to the NBA playoffs. A pretty pretty darn long drought. Um, but what are expectations? Is, is it time to get over that hump of the Sacramento Kings? I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say too. And I think so far this episode, it's been a lot of positives, a lot of positives. So I guess from a non-Kings fan, what are you guys afraid of? I guess, is it, are we guys going to mesh with the new system? Is De'Aaron Fox ready to really, really take that leap to an all-star? What are you guys expecting out of this new team? What are you guys still questioning, I guess? Um, I think it's just, it's probably just PTSD from being a Sacramento Kings fan. It's like everything looks, I mean, not that everything has looked good, but as Kings fans, you convince yourself that, Maybe this is the year. And I just, I'm cautiously optimistic for this team. Uh, I think for the first time in a long time, I can look at this roster and say, holy crap, it makes sense. This makes sense. We have a, a defensive head coach, and we have guys that uh, are, are great shooters, and we have two really good NBA players, a two-time All-Star, and a guy who's a fringe All-Star. Uh, and so it makes sense. And you know, I would just say that I'm cautiously optimistic because we're talking about the Sacramento Kings. Um, with that said, Scott, to answer your question about where I think they're going to fall, I think the Sacramento is going to be a play-in team. I think that they're going to be around that 10th seed. Um, I would say 8 to 11. They may fall out um, depending on teams like Portland. Um, they're like in that range because um, there's – a 11 teams in the West that are possibly there. And, and the four teams that are, are tanking, clearly, Oklahoma City, uh, Houston, San Antonio, and give me that last one, guys. We got it. Utah. Utah, after trading their players. So um, the, the other 11 teams all are pretty solid. I think the Kings fall somewhere within there towards the bottom. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think... Best case scenario, dream scenario, is we have a Pelicans-esque year yeah. where we, we make the play-in and then we sneak into the eighth seed. That yeah. would be awesome. And we make it a fun series. Maybe we win again. Yeah, maybe we, we play the Warriors and we expose them a little bit. I would, yeah, dude. I would probably cry, actually. Yeah, no, I would, I would cry happy tears and sad tears once we lose. But, yeah. I mean, mm. it's just that would be so sick because... As lame as it sounds, that's the first time we've experienced any sort of winning culture, and we're looking at, like, hopefully the eighth seed. Yeah. Well, the city of Sacramento needs some joy. And yes. We're a basketball city. We, Come on. We were we were talking about – I was talking about this before the show. I I like to share some of my hot takes. That's, yeah, yeah. And I've been kind of sitting on this one. It's part of part of this dream I've been creating for the, for the Western Conference. At the ninth seed – the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, wow. But not only that, not only that, they're going to win their play-in games. Plural, play-in games. Oh wow. So they're going to win the 9 versus 10, and then they're going to go on the road and beat the 8 seed 
And that means the Sacramento Kings are going to snap the drought and they're going to make the playoffs and face the Denver Nuggets in the first round in the NBA playoffs. That's not a, that's not a matchup you want, Scott. No, the so, Kings. The Kings give have our Denver number. some fits. That Scott, is not a matchup you want. Scott no, Bears, what a take. Yeah, how I love is that? that. That's Wouldn't spicy, that be bro. awesome? That would be awesome. I'm just curious of what teams we're beating. Okay, teams you're beating. That's not part of the vision. No, uh, that's no, not part no, of the vision yet. yet. Uh, yeah, I have to. Uh, I have to do some profit. We probably beat the Lakers because, like, that would just. If we're talking dream scenarios, we beat the Lakers. Yeah. We beat the Lakers to go two playoffs, not yeah. the first game, but right. two playoffs. You go into LA's home. Yep. And we spank them. Guys, I. Uh oh. I don't want to be. Bear bad news, but we're late. talking about the Sacramento Kings here. Now, let me just say anything. Uh-huh. No, Narratives no, changed. But Narratives changed. This is a, a brand new put together team, a brand new offense, a brand new defense. What, when I look at this roster, I see a lot of potential, but I also see you better hope those guys are making their shots tonight or else you're going to give the ball to Aaron Fox. And again, I would love, I would love to see him have a couple games where he gets close to a triple double, drops 40. Let's go. I, I, I need to see that out of De'Aaron Fox because, again, if Herder's off, if Malik Monk's off, which he can be off, is it going to be tough to to run this team with De'Aaron Fox and, and Zabonis down low? I mean, they could only take you so far. It's the role players that you guys got a lot of that really need to step up. And, again, I, I understand the hype. I love it. But let's just remember, it's a Dude, long season. I'm saying we're going to be the 8th to 11th seed. I'm not <laughs> saying we're going to be anything special. You think we're just going to be bottom Scott's of the barrel? what a series, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're talking to no, Scott. No, uh, yeah. no, I said I didn't say they're winning a series. I said they're winning play-in games. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. way but different. But if they play the different. Nuggets, they're going to win a series. I mean, yeah, they might no, no, they'll lose to the Nuggets in six. Here's here's That kind of leads us into another topic I, I would like to touch on this show is what is our expectation, not only for the Kings, but De'Aaron. Aaron Fox this season. I think it's a big season for him. Monty has picked him out as the the franchise cornerstone, um, kind of alongside DeMontis. But this season, I mean, at the end of the year, once Tyrese Halliburton was traded, De'Aaron Fox averaged 28.9 points per game in about a 20-game span, so a fourth of a season. It's a decent sample size to see. And De'Aaron Fox showed out after Tyrese Halliburton was traded and playing with DeMontis Sabonis. What do we expect this season from De'Aaron Fox. For De'Aaron, it's got to be that huge leap. Um, this past year, for the season, he averaged 23, which was a down year from the year before, which was 25. I think he needs to make that leap. I don't necessarily think he's going to average 28 points per game. If he is, that's freaking nuts. But I want to see him back to that level of, of 25 plus. I think with the full season with DeMontis Sabonis, and now with the floor spacing that Sacramento has, this is going to be a career year for De'Aaron Fox. I think he's going to be consistent around that 28-point-per-game number that we saw at the end of the year for a full season. De'Aaron Fox has the tendency to start out the season really slow and then pick it up at the end of the year. I think that with a training camp with Mike Brown, training camp with DeMontis Sabonis, I think that he's going to roll into this, this season ready to go. That's just my my feeling, my prediction. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to have a career year, and if they're winning and in the playoff hunt, maybe he he cracks the all-star team with injuries and things like that. 
That would be so sick, and that's definitely the dream. And I feel like, too, what's great about this season is if you look at past seasons going into the off seasons, he's probably looking at it, and he's like, I'm looking at Mount Everest that I have to climb. Whereas, like, now that you have Sabonis, who is a proven all-star, great player in the league, who's a big man, who's a different position that that... They complement each other. Yeah, they complement each other really well. That pick and roll game is going to be similar to the style of a, a Jokic and a Jamal. Maybe not to that level, but like it's going to be the bread and butter of the Sacramento Kings. And that's where your um, thoughts of if, if Kevin Herter and Malik Monk aren't shooting well, where are the Kings going to be? Are they going to be atrocious that night? And it very well could be. But I think they've done a better job of providing more shooters. In the past, we've really just had Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. That's it. Now we have at least four guys that can shoot the ball. You even have guys like Trey Lyles who are decent three-pointers. Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis. I think Davion Mitchell is going to improve a lot on his catch and shoot because he, he knows his role. He trusts his work. you know. And if he's coming off your bench leading the pack and he's playing alongside De'Aaron Fox at times, he knows that he's going to get some wide open threes. And so that's where I think his, his step comes up. I, I hate to say that I'm speaking like a true positive Kings fan, but like there's just, this is the most positivity you can like see from our team in the past 16 years. Yep. Who is like, Playing for the Kings, the last Kings player that went to an all-star game. To Marcus Cousins. Yep. Oh, Boogie. Yeah. Boogie. Before that? Yeah. Who's before Boogie? Brad Miller. You don't even know who that is. Yeah. No. Nope. Or Ron Artest. Or, oh. Kev- or Kevin no, Martin. No, Ron Artest, I think, wasn't an all-star, but Brad Miller was. Yeah, I know Brad Miller was. Yeah. Anyways, it's been bad, but D Fox, baby. This is his year. Like like you said, I think he has on paper everything he needs right now to have a a breakout season. And from an outsider looking in, I want to see that dog in him. Yeah, I want to see that dog in him. I want to see that he's done losing. I, I again, maybe there has been interviews that you guys have seen, but I feel like I've never seen him come out to the media and say, "F this, I'm done losing." I need to do something, right? So I think now that they have put together a team that it's possible to, it's a big season for him, like you said. Um, but again, I, I just I just hope that, I don't know right now if I look at him and say, game on the line, 10 seconds left, we have the ball, I'm giving you the ball, go for it. I don't know if he's that type of player. We should give our final thoughts on this, on the, on the Sacramento Kings season. Yeah. I gave mine. You gave yours, go. Final thoughts? Final thoughts as we wrap up the show. Darren Fox is an all-star. I think he is that guy, and that's based off of what I saw two years ago. I think that he he can be that finisher. Um, and you know what? I think I think we're we're playing bound. The Sacramento Kings are playing bound. De'Aaron Fox will average 28 to 20, 27 to 28 points per game. Kings basketball is back, baby. Let's go. Wow. Wow. And I want to make one final point. Thank you, Andy, for focusing um, And then we're, the we're going to wrap the show. I've thought about this. I've talked about this. 
Kings fans and Nebraska Husker fans are the same people. Yes. Yeah. They are the same. They believe. They have more. They could have the world's worst season, and then in the offseason, come, you know, a couple weeks before the year, it's like, no, I think we actually might have something. <laughs> like, what you guys are saying, I'm getting PTSD because two weeks before Nebraska flew to Ireland to play Northwestern, it was like, no, I, I like this team. <laughs> They've got some dogs. Let's so, go. um, Kings fans, this is my active, like, wish for you to join both Kings. Do you guys say Kings Nation? Yeah, sure. Kings, sure. King, Kings, Kings King, Landing. Kings Landing. And Husker Nation. Together, we will be the strongest army in the world. Go Big Red Purple. Go Big Red <laughs> Purple, baby. And with that, it's a perfect way to end the show. So for our lovely producer, Andy, our in- inquisite mm. Trevor Mikulin, mm. the dominant Christian <laughs> Dennis, and the... Kyle. (laughs) I'm Scott Ayers. We say so long for now, and we'll see you next week. If you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball.